The reading is from the Acts of the Apostles. Let us be attentive. In those days, those apostles who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to none except the Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number that believed turned to the Lord. News of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a large company was added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a large company of people. And in Antioch the disciples were were for the first time called Christians. Now in these days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. And this took place in the days of Claudius. And the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brethren who lived in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Peace be with you, the reader. With your spirit. Gospel according to St. John, let us be attentive. Glory to you, O Lord, glory to you. At that time, Jesus came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and so Jesus, wearied as he was with his journey, sat down beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you would you ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, 
If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked Him and He would have given you living water. The woman said to Him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. The water I shall give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and he whom you now have is not your husband. This you said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such the Father seeks to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will show us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came and they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but none said, What do you wish or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the city and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the city and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples besought him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him food? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, There are yet four months, and then comes the harvest? I tell you, lift up your eyes and see how the fields are already white for harvest. He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, One sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap that that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of your words that we believe, for we have heard ourselves. And we know that this is indeed Christ, the Savior of the world. Glory to you, Lord. 
is risen. As I've told you many times, this is one of my favorite gospel passages. Because she's one of my favorite saints. And uh, that's why we named our third daughter after her. So, Fotini, God grant you many years. What this story really is for us, among many things, it is a picture that presents us the anatomy of conversion. Her conversion holds in it the elements that all of our conversions should hold. If you think about this encounter on the part of Jesus with this woman of Samaria, it's very personal. He knew her heart before he met her. He could foresee her responses. He knew the thirst that was in her and her desire to know the truth, despite how she was living. And he went directly into that land, directly to that well, sent off his disciples so that he could have this personal encounter with this woman unto her conversion. She's amazed that he's even talking to her. But degree by degree, he elevates her way of thinking, leading her eventually to her own understanding that he is the one. He has told me all that I ever did. There are people in my own village, people that are around my life that don't even know the things that this man knows because he can see into the depths of my being. And she goes back to her village, leaving the water jar. She completely replaced the purpose for going there. It was to gather water for her family, but she came back with living water for her family. And she bore testimony to her experience. This is the first ingredient of conversion. We come to an understanding of who Jesus Christ is, And He replaces in our priorities everything else. Which is evidenced by the fact that she left that water jar there at the well and went and told all of her family. She had two sons and five sisters and the villagers. They came to see Jesus based on her testimony. And then they all asked Him to stay for a couple extra days. And then you can see what happens. They begin to experience Jesus themselves, and they no longer need her testimony, for now they have had direct experience. But that's not the end of the story. As a matter of fact, her story becomes even more interesting after this encounter. She then begins to travel after her baptism, after receiving the name Fotini, which means the illumined one, because she was in darkness and has now come into the light. She was searching and now she has found that pearl of great price. And so Fotini is the most 
apt name that she could have possibly received. She goes and travels with her family and she begins to share the good news. This is after the crucifixion. This is after the resurrection, after the ascension, and after Pentecost. Filled with the Holy Spirit, she begins to make disciples of people. Not just in Samaria, not just in Palestine, but she even ends up in Carthage, northern Africa. Her other son, the older one, becomes a soldier. And he receives the military rank of commander. And he begins to lead the Roman army to victory after victory after victory until he's finally given a post in Italy itself. And paradoxically, his charge is to go and start investigating Christians and arresting them. Sebastian, who is one of the martyred saints that we commemorate today, was the leading public officer of the city that he was that that the son was assigned to and he loved Victor this general the son of Fotini and he wanted to save Victor and his family because he knew that they were Christians from sure persecution torture and death because the emperor at the time was crazy Nero Not a good man. But as Victor was trying to talk, I mean, as Sebastian was trying to talk Victor out of being a faithful Christian, he became afflicted with blindness. And for three days, in his darkness, inside his soul, he could hear the Lord Jesus calling him. And he confessed that to Victor. And Victor prayed, and he was able to receive his sight. And Sebastian and all of his servants and all of his household were baptized. And then the, same, the, the event came to the attention of Nero, who then had them all arrested. <coughs> Meanwhile, Fotini and the rest of her family in Carthage were illumined by the Holy Spirit to what was going on with Victor and in that town in Italy. And so they quickly hastened from Carthage to go to that city in Italy to be with their son and the other confessors. God had called them to bear witness to their belief in Jesus Christ and in His resurrection and in His power over eternal life. Can you imagine putting yourself in Fotini's shoes? She didn't have to go. She didn't have to take her younger son. She didn't have to take her five sisters. Victor was a big boy. He could have handled it himself. He was full of the grace of God and the Holy Spirit. But the Lord called her and she went. Another sign of conversion is a decision inside of yourself that says, Lord, whatever you call me to, whatever your will is for my life, wherever it takes me, I will answer with an obedient yes. And this was evidenced in Fotini. She went, 
And she confessed that she too was a Christian along with her five sisters and her younger son. And they too were arrested. I won't go into all the details because the tortures are not G-rated. And they didn't just last a day or a week. For most of them, they lasted over three years. Time and again, God would heal them, would give them special grace, would empower them and encourage them to maintain their faith and their commitment. Always driving Nero into greater and greater fury and rage. Until finally all of them except Bodini were put to death in a most terrible, heinous way. She was thrown down a well after being skinned and she survived it. And after a long time she was imprisoned and then brought before Nero. And she literally spat in his face and laughed at him and said, I will never offer incense to idols. And I will never bow down to you. How would I give up my love for my Lord Jesus Christ and all that he has given me to serve or be obedient to someone as empty and blind and filled with darkness as you? And so... In his rage, he threw her down a well again, and there she gave up her soul. You can grab her. Feel free. Because when she's free like that, it's very distracting. It's good for them, it's good for us that we watch our children. Thank you. So my dear brothers and sisters... Many of us think in the Orthodox Church that if we're cradled or born into the faith, that God is not requiring of us a conversion. And many of us think that if we come into the faith from some other faith tradition, that we are converting, and it's a decision in a place and time, and then it's not followed after that by constant renewal. So both the cradle and those of us who become Orthodox from some other faith tradition, we both at some point can fall into the same trap. And that is that once I'm an Orthodox Christian, I don't have to express or manifest an ongoing decision in my life to keep Jesus Christ my true love, number one in my life, to cultivate that love so that it burns within me and so that it illuminates and it informs and guides every other decision in my life. This isn't some decision that we can make once and not have to make again and again and again. Life does not stop and wait for us. It's constantly pressuring us and pushing us and pulling us. It's constantly shoving in front of us things that could become more important. When you get married, maybe your spouse becomes more important than God. When you get a job, maybe that job and all that it brings you and all the pressures and stresses and all of the demands of those above you become more important than your relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe children come along 
and they have immediate needs and they're very important and urgent and maybe those stresses and those children actually become a higher priority than your relationship with Christ. Maybe hobbies or friends or anything else can take the place of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We get busy and slowly but surely the Lord falls down that hierarchy of priorities. And as, it, as He falls down, our hearts become colder and colder. And we start to lose grace. We start to lose that fire. We start to lose that love for the Lord. And we start to lose love for one another. Inside the church community and all around us. And it's interesting that as our love for the Lord goes down... And as our love for one another goes down, self-love increases. There is no neutrality in your life. Either the Lord is first, or you will be first in a distorted way. I don't know if you've experienced this, but conversion takes the front seat in our life. We have to constantly renew it. Again and again and again. Father Deacon John Crisavis, when we were in the basement some 15 so years ago, came and did a retreat. I don't remember a lot of what he said. I love how he said it, with his beautiful Australian accent, spiced with a little Oxfordian English. But one thing he said that I will never forget. He said... And he was being a slightly humorous, but dead serious at the same time. He said, Christ willingly ascended the cross because he loves us. We are called to take up our cross and follow him because we love him. Taking up our cross, he said, is equal or tantamount to ascending the cross ourselves. The Christian life is the way of the cross. And he said this, There is no comfortable place for any of us on the cross. You may look for a comfortable place to stay at the same place and rest and plateau, but it doesn't exist on the cross. If you're going to take up your cross and ascend the cross because you love the Lord, you're going to have to renew that decision again and again and again because you cannot be a Christian and be comfortable. There is no way. You cannot ever be a Christian unless you are continually converting. And St. Fotini is the perfect example, although there are many, many examples But her story is one that can draw us in and illustrate the anatomy of what it means to convert. To put the Lord first, to love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To then go with a burning love that you have, that He has for the people all around you and share that love by expressing what you have experienced. And no matter what the Lord wants you to do, you say within your heart, I will do it. Just reveal your will. I'll go where you want and I'll do what you want and I will give up what you ask me to give up for the sake of being whole, of being full, of being 
truly and authentically human, of being blessed and content and experiencing the happiness that the Lord wants us to experience. Having faith that transcends fear, being bold and courageous and selfless and self-sacrificial because you are filled with the love of God and you know that He has trampled down death by death, that He is bestowing life to all who love Him and who are filled with His love and power. This is the anatomy of conversion. And this is what God calls each of us to do again and again and again. Amen.